0: song we sang about the narrow path. You know, your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. It's about walking on those righteous paths, on kingdom paths. And that fits in so well with our new series, which we're starting today in Family Church, and that is about walking in the will of God. So a key part to walking on the correct path is to walk in God's will, isn't it? So... We'll be looking at this for the next couple of weeks, looking at different aspects of God's will. Do you like that graphic? Uh, it, to me, you know, it's a bit, uh, I didn't want to say anything, but to me it, look, it looks like someone's spilled ink all over the place, and it's a bit untidy. You know, <laughs> might have a word with our media team. Hmm. I don't know, it's very modern, I suppose, that's the whole point, you know, but anyway, but you get the gist of it, it's pretty bold, isn't it? The will of God, you know exactly what we're going to talk about. We're going to speak about his revealed will, his prescriptive will, his prohibitive will, his permissive will, and his perfect will. His perfect will. And today we're going to start with the best one first, the perfect will. Okay. But last week I remember uh, Chris shared such a brilliant message on Easter Sunday about the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. And in the Garden of Gethsemane, we remember, sorry, could you hold that for me? Thank you, Chris. Um, Jesus prayed those words in the garden. Uh, He prayed those words. He said, not my will. But your will be done. Remember in the Garden of Gethsemane. So your salvation and mine hung in the balance in that garden when Jesus surrendered his will to the will of the Father. He had to make that decision, he had that choice to make. The cross and all, it, all that it stood for our salvation, our redemption, our forgiveness. None of it would have happened unless Jesus had said yes to the will of the Father, which is why we are grateful. That's why when we have a time of worship, it's with hearts of gratitude. We say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. So we're going to look at a couple of scriptures today, not too many, but Ephesians 5, verses 15 to 17 from the ESV. Chris likes the ESV. It says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time. Oh, there's that word, kairos, making best use of the kairos time. Why? Because the days are evil. Verse 17, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is, you know. It's one thing to know the will of God, but it's another thing to understand the will. What the will of the Lord is. And uh, the early hours this morning, I, that word was just resonating through my head. It was like, Lord, I want to sleep, but eventually I got up and I looked it up. And that word, to to understand, means to comprehend, to 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 consider. In fact. The, the, the Greek word, I'm not even going to try and say it, but it sounds something like tsunami. It's not tsunami, but it sounds like tsunami. I think if I try to say it, that's how I would say it. But you know, when you have this image of a tsunami, it's just this, this, um, this wave that that gains momentum. And that's what happens when we start understanding things. It's one thing to have knowledge of something, but it's, but it's something entirely different when we understand what it is that God is trying to say. So if there ever was a time, though, that we need to know and to understand the will of the, God, the, will of the Lord for our lives, it's now, in this time, we need to know that we are doing God's perfect will. So, um, Romans 12 is going to be our foundation scripture, I think, throughout the whole series. Romans 12 is probably one of my favorite scriptures, but I just want to actually stop right there. The song that we just sang, you're worthy of it all, comes from Romans 11. Romans 11, the last verse, says, for of him... And through him and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever. Amen. Verse chapter 12 says, I beseech you, therefore. So when you see a therefore, we stop and see what it's there for. We go back a verse. You're worthy of it all. Everything comes from you, Lord. Everything comes from you. Everything goes to you. Because you all the glory goes to you. That's the word of God. Okay. Did you get it today? I think that's awesome. I think that's fantastic. So now I can carry on with our message because I've laid a foundation of Romans twelve. Because God is worthy of it all, by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable to God. Which is your reasonable service. I just want to stop there. Just because we're holy doesn't mean, ladies, okay, for those that obviously need it, we're going to wear makeup, okay? It doesn't mean we don't, we're not we, we're going we're to wear makeup because I need makeup. So wearing makeup or, oh, okay, Sandy, stop it. But wearing makeup or not wearing makeup doesn't make you holy, okay? But God has made us holy. He has made us holy. He's made us righteous. But he says, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Some translations call that your spiritual worship. And he goes on and he says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And that's where we're aiming for today. Okay, by the end of today, well, this message, 28 minutes left, we will know what the perfect will of God is. So leave it up there, Johnny, if you don't mind. But he talks there about presenting your bodies a living sacrifice. Man, that sounds painful. (laughs) Good news is we don't have to go to the cross Jesus has paid the price for our sin, so we're not going to the cross. But a living sacrifice, th- I looked up, what's the, def- uh, the dictionary definition of sacrifice? is to give up something for something else considered more important. To give up something for something else that is considered more important. So for instance, you might be in a place where you sacrifice your career for your family you know, a career is important, but it's not more important than the family. So you might want to sacrifice your career for your family. Or um, go without, you, go, you sacrifice certain things. I was a single mother raising my daughter, and I know what it's like. It's difficult raising a child on your own. And um, so I did that for most of her growing up years. And I made sacrifices, and not because I don't feel sorry for myself, but I did. I made sacrifices. I went without, in order for my daughter to have. That was just the way. That was the way it was. That's the way it worked. So I made sacrifices, and it's also another another definition is to give up something that is of value to you, to give up something that is valuable to you, for to help another person. And uh, you know, in the old days, okay, in the old days, David. In the old days, um, <laughs> Chris, sorry, I shouldn't call people's names out, sorry. <laughs> but in the old days, do you know what used to happen? If you got on a bus, and a woman got on a bus, and there was a man sitting there, the man would stand up and give the woman a seat, you know, because we're the, the sweet little, the little woman. But, you know, but it was a thing that, was that happened, hey, in the old days, that you'd, you'd sacrifice your seat and give it to a woman in order for her to sit But but we're not going to have to go to the cross. Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice. Jesus paid the price. Under the old covenant, it was the blood of bulls and goats that covered, that covered, that that, um, sort of covered, but that had to be done repeatedly for the sins to be covered. But under the new covenant, Jesus was the sacrificial lamb once and for all. Hebrews 10 verses 9, I love this. Jesus said these words in Hebrews 10, behold, I have come to do your will, the Father's will of God. He takes away the first that he may establish the second. In other words, he takes away the first covenant to establish the new covenant. By that will, God's will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Isn't that awesome? That's, that's one of those Law scriptures. We need to just sort of meditate on that. I've come to do your will, O God. This is what Jesus' words were. He takes away the first. He takes away that sacrificial, sacrificing the, the blood of b- bulls and goats in order to establish the second, the new covenant. Jesus' blood was shed once and for all. He laid your life, his life down completely for you and for me. And I, I, I loved what Chris was talking about last week, about the cause of the cross. The cause of the cross was our sin and God's love. It was, that was the cause of the cross. But because of God's great love for us, Jesus paid the full price, not because we've earned it, not because we deserve it, but because of God's great love and mercy. And I love what it says in Romans 5, it says that he demonstrated his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We don't have to earn, we cannot earn God's love or favor by what we do. We can't earn his love or favor but I do believe that once your heart 's been touched by god 's love, by his mercy, by his kindness, by his goodness, we can 't help but love him in return. you know um, I think it, it just does something when God touches your heart, you just want to please him more and more, and I know that we but it 's by faith that we please him, things you know that without faith it 's impossible to please him, but I think our heart response to a God who loves us, it, it affects us. That affects us. And I think about it um, in, a, in a father and a child relationship. And I know some people that have been very blessed to have brilliant fathers in their lives. And um, and I, I, I listen to those people that have experienced something like that. My, my dad was there, but he wasn't, kind of thing, you know. But um, I think if a father raises a child and says to the child, okay, listen, don't put your fingers in the light socket, okay, d- and, and share your toys, you know, with, with your siblings. And if that child, uh, from, from the love that he receives, that he or she receives from the father, that child will want to respond. And the way that that child will want to respond is, oh, you know what, Daddy, today I didn't put my fingers in the light socket and I shared my toys with my siblings, and look, here's a little picture that I drew of you, you know, and then, and then the dad's going to stick it up on the fridge. I believe that touches the father's heart, doesn't it? That'll touch the father's heart. So what did I want to say about that? Good point. I have no idea. The father doesn't love the child more because of its behavior. That's what I wanted to say. But the father responds to the expressions of love. And that's what God does. He responds to our expressions of love. And that's why we sang that song, you're worthy of it all. You're worthy of it all. This is our spiritual worship. This is your reasonable service. God responds to our worship. Where are we going with this? I thought we were talking about God's will, but I really believe that as we, as God touches our hearts, we respond to him out of our hearts and we, and we offer him our reasonable worship our spiritual worship and how what's it look like you know sometimes people kneel down we offer our parts our our, our our lips our voices our praise even if it, even if you're singing off off of key it doesn't matter the bible says make a joyful noise so it's okay god's god is tone deaf so it's okay. Praise God. He's tone deaf. He's not saying, "Oh, oh, no, they're singing out of key." No, you know what? Just sing from the from your heart. And we 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 lift our hands. We do anything we can just to sort of show God. Listen, God, I love you. I want to worship you. I want to touch you. I just want to get closer to you. But also another another um, the the New King James there says your reasonable service. In fact, the Amplified says your rational logical, intelligent act of worship. So our worship includes our intellect. Our worship includes our intellect. We, ba- we worship God based on who, we, who he is, on what we know about him, our understanding of him. There's that word, our understanding of him. Listen to John 4, 22 to 24. This is Jesus speaking to the woman... Um, at the well, the woman at the well, and he says, you worship, talking to, she was a Samaritan woman, and he says to her, you worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews, but the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth for the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and truth. Spirit and truth. So it's important that we engage our brains when we worship. You know, it's important. I, know. I just threw that one in. I shouldn't have because it's taken a lot of time. But anyway, but throughout the Bible, we see the word sacrifice especially in the the New Testament, when it's in the book of Hebrews, and whenever the word sacrifice is, it refers to sin. But here in Romans chapter 12, he says, the, the Apostle Paul says, make yourselves a living sacrifice. How can you be a living sacrifice? Because living sacrifice is talking about a lifestyle of repentance. Every day, as we walk through life, and we just did that series on Pathways, and we might be tempted to sin. We might find that we've got off the path. We do not run from God. We run to him. We run to him. It's like that sat nav. We just recalibrate. You know, when she says turn left at the next intersection, and you miss it, then uh, rerouting, rerouting, turn left at the next one, but you get back on track. You recalibrate you recalibrate. But remember, it's the goodness of God. It is the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. And for us, that living sacrifice means that we offer ourselves wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly, living for him with every part of our being, spirit, soul, and body, spirit, soul, and body. Jesus, you lay down your life for me. I'm going to lay down my life for you. So we're going to look at three elements from Romans 12, three elements of a living sacrifice. What does it look like? Romans 12, do not be conformed to this world. That's going to be my first point. next point is, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And number three, that you may prove what is that good and perfect and acceptable will of God. So do not be conformed to this world. You know what? Romans chapter 1 is a scary chapter. Romans chapter 1. It clearly speaks about the world. Those who have rejected God and those who refuse to acknowledge him. And it says repeatedly in Romans chapter 1, it says that God gave them over. God gave them over to their passions, their foolish thinking, the lust of their hearts, and what happens is he stops responding to them. For those people that reject God, he stops responding. He withdraws. He lets them go their own way. You know what? God doesn't override anybody's will. He's not going to force himself on anybody. He doesn't, but he does make a way for everybody to know him. The Bible says you must be born again, It's that simple. Just accept him. Be born again. So as believers, we are in the world, but we're not of it. And there should be a difference between us and the world. So we're going to look at 1 John 2, verses 15 to 16. It says, is this okay? Is this a bit heavy? It's a bit deep? But is it okay? You still there? Don't just stare at me. Okay, 1 John two fifteen to 16. It says, do not love the world or the things in the world. And I think what he's saying there is, don't love the ways of the world. Don't love the ways of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. This is a bit heavy, this is a bit deep, but it's okay. This is the counsel of God, okay? All right, so the lust of the flesh. What is the lust of the flesh? It's that unrenewed, unregenerated old man that keeps coming back, <laughs> gets up off the altar, and suddenly this thing, you know, it's the old me. It's the, it's the, that's our unregenerated human nature. And, you know, so often I hear, this, I hear people say, yeah, but we're only human. No, we're not. We're supernatural beings. We are a new creature in Christ. This flesh needs to die. So I'm not going to give it my own. It's not going to get its own way because that's what the flesh does. I want my own way. That's it. Me, me, me. It's all about me. But anyway, so it's a hu- unregenerated human nature. Anything that appeals to our p- appetites and involves excessive desires for food, for drink, for sex, for money, anything that satisfies physical needs that's what the lust of the flesh is the lust of the eyes materialism materialism coveting the stuff that we don't have and envying those who have what we want whether it's a car whether it's a house <laughs> whether it's whatever it might even be a gifting you know you can covet somebody's gifting you think oh I wish I could be like that no that's the lust of the eyes we don't want we we're not going to conform to that type of behavior. And the pride of life. Any ambition that puffs us up and puts us on the throne of our lives. The little middle letter in pride is I. Hey, the I word. But we look at Jesus as our example. What did Jesus do about uh, the culture around him? And we see in Matthew 23, Jesus we're not going to go there, but eight times Jesus addresses the Pharisees and the scribes, the the, the, the religious people of the day, and eight different things he, 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 he doesn't mince his words. He says, "Woe to you, you brood of vipers, you whitewashed walls, f- whitewashed tombs full of dead men's bones. I mean, my word, he confronted, he really did, he didn't mince his words. He calls them full of hypocrisy, hypocrites, fool, you know, foolishness. He says, clean the inside of the cup. F- clean the inside of the cup. Get to the heart of the matter. It's not about being self-righteous. It's not about being self-righteous. So we do not love the world or the things of the world, but 1 John 2, 17 says, and the world is passing away and the lust of it but he who does the will of God abides forever. There are eternal benefits to doing the will of God. And I love it. It says, he who does the will of God. So in other words, the will of God is available. And it's, we, 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 can, we can learn, we can know what the will of the Lord is. Otherwise, how could you do it, right? So we can know what the will of the Lord is. God isn't playing spiritual hide and seek. So the kingdom of God is countercultural to the kingdoms of this world. And Jesus didn't conform. Jesus was a non conformist. He didn't conform to the world. You know what? He he didn't just only save our lives. He didn't just go to the cross to buy, to get our eternal salvation, but he lived that spotless life. He didn't he wasn't tempted. The the tempter came along, but he resisted the enemy. He was God in the flesh. He humbled himself, became a man, and lived to serve others. That was Jesus. So first point was, do not be conformed to this world. The second point is, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know what? Transformation is progressive, it's not instantaneous. <laughs> I don't know. I've been saved 31 years or I think this 30, 32 years this year, praise God, by the goodness and the grace of God. But I know that I'm still a work in progress. I know that I've still got quite a long way to go. But praise God, he doesn't give up on us. Eh? He's so merciful. He's so kind with us. So salvation is not about cleaning up your act, getting it all together, dressing a certain way, behaving a certain way. It's not about behavior modification. It's about heart transformation. And the way that our heart is transformed is by renewing our minds to what the Word of God says. You know, I used to behave like in such and such a way, but God's Word says, no, be transformed, be changed by the renewing of your mind from the inside out, from the cleaning of the cup, from the inside. Don't just wash the outside of the cup, but the inside. You know what? We've got to change our thinking. We cannot think like the world and expect kingdom results. It doesn't happen. The Bible says, as a man thinks, so is he. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he? We've got to trans- be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And the way that we do it, it's the word. It's through the word of God. It's so important. It's so important. You know, we sang it earlier, I'm, I'm desperate for you. This is, the, this is my daily bread. This Bible, this is my daily bread. I've been saved for 32 years. This is my daily bread. I need the word of God in my life. I've had a bit of an upside down week myself. But, and I've had moments of low. But do you know what? God has been faithful. I've gone to the word and every time he's spoken life into me. He's spoken life into me. He's the lifter of our heads. That 's what the word does, John 1 one Jesus the talking about Jesus, it says, "Jesus in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, that's Jesus. Jesus was in the beginning with God and he was the Word of God, and in verse 14 it says, "And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. It's time for this Bible to become flesh <laughs> and le- be, let our lives become. The living word. You know, when people see you, do they see Jesus? Because that's what it's all about. It's not about conforming to the world. I don't want to be like the world. It sickens me, I'm sorry to say, but when I see what the world's come to, I think uh, uh, it repulses me. I'm sorry, but I'm just speaking the truth. I just can't stand it. But I want to conform to the image of Jesus. I want to be like the Lord. I want to be, when people see me, I want people to see Jesus. And the only way, it's not by behavior modification. I'm not walking around with watery blue eyes, you know, the way artists, sorry, Ros, no, nothing mental new, but the way some artists draw Jesus, you know, skipping through the tulips with a sheep under his arm. But, you know, he, no, he, he, we serve a living God. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. He's full of victory. He's full of breakthrough. That's, this is the Jesus that we serve, but it's through the word of God that we, our lives, our minds are transformed. We change the way we think. The word does it. And I loved what Chris was saying the other day. Um, he said, but he, he, he mentioned this the other day, that it's only the word that we do that changes us. It's only the word that we do. Otherwise, it's just words. But it's the words that we do that changes us. When the, when the word says, love your enemies, it's like, okay, I, I, I love them. No, 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 but then hang on, there they're in in your face. Um, Love them. Pray for them. Bless them. Be good to them. Okay, all right, I'll do that, because that's what the Word says. Then i do it. Something happens in me. It changes me. So like Chris was saying, he speak, me do, me change. It's so simple. He speaks, we do it, we change. So be transformed progressively. Not in an instant fix. We are a work in progress, and the way that Bible, the way that the Bible works, is it's always line upon line, precept upon precept. You know, you start reading, you start digging into the Word a little bit, and you think, oh, but this connects with that, and oh, that connects with this. Like that word understanding. This morning, I was like. I've got so many scriptures about understanding. In all you're getting, get understanding. Understand what the will of the Lord is. It's like it's a bit here, it's a bit here, and it's all precept upon precept. They build, it builds on each other. So we're going to be transformed by the renewing of our minds that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God that you may prove that you may discern, that you may examine the perfect will of God. And I love that, that not only is God's will for you good and pleasing and acceptable, but it's perfect. It's tailor-made. God's will for you is tailor-made. Perfect carries the idea of being complete. You can't add anything to perfection. You can't take anything from perfection. God's will for you is perfect. It's without fault. It satisfies all requirements. God's will is perfect. Perfect means to reach the goal that God intended. God's perfect will means to reach the goal that God intended. His perfect will is is his divine plan for your life. And I just want to What does this include? And I think one of the biggest things that this includes, God's perfect will, is marriage. God will (laughs) tell you in his word the kind of spouse to marry. He won't tell you who to marry. If God told you who to marry, it would be up to him to make that marriage work. But it's not up to him, it's up to us. So, but he gives you a choice. We always have a choice in the matter. He doesn't choose our spouse for us, but he he does set quite clear word. Don't marry an unbeliever. How can two walk together in agreement? It's so important. Grace gives us freedom to choose, but it doesn't give us freedom from the consequences of our choice. Grace gives us freedom to to choose, but it doesn't give us freedom from the consequences of our choice. Whatever choices we make, there are consequences too. So this is the perfect will of God. That should have been good news, but it's quite quiet in here today, sorry. But Hebrews 6, throughout Hebrews 6, In the first two verses, the writer of Hebrews encourages the believers to press on to maturity. And he says, let's go on to maturity by moving on from the basics. And in verse 3, he says, and this we will do if God permits. If God permits. So there is a perfect will of God and there is a permissive will of God. The perfect will of God is what God requires. But the permissive will of God is what he allows. It's what he allows. That scripture that we read in Romans chapter 12, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, doesn't say that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and permissive will of God. It says, Perfect will of God it's what He requires. God requires His perfect will, where there's nothing added, nothing taken away. His will is perfect, it's complete. God's permissive will is His allowance for circ- of circumstances to happen. You know we, we make choices. And it might not be God's perfect will, but we are left with the consequences. There are going to be circumstances to choices that we make. So if we make our own decisions, and he allows it as his permissive will, the outcome will prove why it wasn't his perfect will in the first place. Because you'll see it by the fruit, isn't it? So if you choose to marry an unbeliever, God will not stop you. But he might be trying to get through to you, maybe even by your pastor, but the choice is yours. Grace gives us freedom to choose, but it doesn't give us freedom from the consequences of our choice. We need to take responsibility for our choices and stop blaming everybody else. So just to end up now quick God's perfect will what was God's perfect will was the innocence of man right from the start in Genesis the man and the wife were both naked and they felt no shame the innocence of man that was God's perfect will his permissive will was the fall of man God allowed it he said don't eat of the tree of evil knowledge of good and evil but it, it was his permissive will He allowed them. God's permissive will is the condemnation of man. Yo, that's harsh. No wonder why you're not smiling at me this morning. (laughs) God's permissive will is the condemnation of man. But here's the good news. His perfect will is the salvation of man. His perfect will is the salvation. It's his desire that all men are saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. So let's end up where we started. You think, praise God, it's come to an end. There are many things we can do that are permitted, but there's also the discovery of what is perfect. Let's make God's perfect will our desire. Let's be like Jesus. Let's seek him, seek his ways, his kingdom ways, his word. Put him first in our lives. Seek first the kingdom of God. Let's put him first, and he will guide us as we navigate through life. Look to Jesus. Look at what he did in the Garden of Gethsemane when he said, not my will, but yours be done. Not mine, but yours be done.